exciting that project uh, to Jerusalem. So Ezra 7 through 10 is the second wave, the second group of people who has gone back. To kind of give you the timeline, Ezra's return in 458 is 80 years uh, following uh, the return of the first wave. So there's 80 years have passed from chapter 1 uh, to uh, chapter uh, chapter 7 through 10. Uh, and Ezra's return is 58 years after the rebuilding of the temple, after the temple was complete. And uh, so he goes back. Uh, he is uh, five and a half months into the return, and he realizes, uh-oh, there's a sin problem. Okay, so it's been 80 years that they have been that they left Babylon, that's 3%. They went back to Jerusalem. They've been there. Uh, they have got busy in the work. They're trying to provide for a new home. They're trying to build the temple. They're trying to, uh, they're trying to repair damage. And along the way, uh, they meet people. Uh, they meet uh, some folks that are there in the land, uh, some folks that are unsaved, unbelievers, a businessman, maybe they, uh, the guy that owned the local block shop, uh, and they had to order blocks from him. And so uh, they've been there several times, and so they made good friends with the, uh, with the, with the people that were selling goods because they needed stuff for their building project. I liken that too. I go over to Lowe's. Uh, Gene works the cash register. Uh, he'd been there for a number of years and he knows me as the pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church. Why? Because I'm always going in there. Now, Gene has a back problem. And <clears throat> uh, so when I saw him uh, this week, uh, we, Mrs. Bishop and I were there looking for something and uh, we walked out uh, through the cash register and he was there working. I said, hey, Gene, how you doing? And he said, hey, preacher, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, he's an old, he's an old, old guy, and uh, but, but but a lot of fun. And so I know him just because uh, we we go there and we purchase building supplies, and and he knows me as a preacher. And, and but if you're not careful, we talked about in the teachers' meeting hour, as you get to know people that are of the world, and you become you you're trying to reach out to them, you're doing business relationships with them. If you're not careful, uh, you'll let your standards down and get corrupted. And that's what happened in these 80 years. She's pretty. And so there are marriages that have taken place. Of believers and non-believers. Of Jewish men and idolatry worshipping wives. And as a result, there are children of those marriages. And what is at risk here? <clears throat> you think, it's just me. I can make any decision I want. But what is at risk is salvation. So salvation, how is that at risk? Because Satan, again, he, Pharaoh, kill all the children. Herod, kill all the children. What, what is Satan trying to do? Trying to eliminate the, the, the Christ child, the godly seed. And so here in Ezra, the children of Israel are coming back, but he's trying to corrupt the seed that is going to produce Mary and Joseph and Jesus Christ. So there won't be a Bethlehem, there won't be a cross, there won't be a payment for sin, and you'll be doomed forever uh, in a place called hell because there is no sacrifice Without the only begotten Son of God, there is no sacrifice for sin. This serious business? Man, this is serious business. 
It's serious business today. Uh, uh, the scriptural admonition in the New Testament is still, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Oh, for what concord hath Christ with Belial? What, what fellowship hath he believeth with an infidel? None. They're rhetorical questions. And the answer is n- none. So, the first question, the first words out of your mouth shouldn't be, Chief Purdy. Uh, first words out of your mouth should be, is she a believer? Or is he a believer? Because that, what is required in Ezra chapter 10 of us Christian having a equal yoke as opposed to an unequal yoke is still mandated in the New Testament. We're in Ezra chapter 10, verse 1. Now, when Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed, weeping, and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children. For the people wept very sore. They had let their guard down. They had let their standards down. Uh, they had let things slip. And uh, they, they were genuinely burdened about it. <clears throat> now, Ezra, he's been, he has the backing of a heathen king. So, basically, his word is law. And we're going to see that in this chapter. Before we get any further, let's, uh, let's start with prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help me be a blessing to your people this evening. And we would reaffirm in our hearts the need to be right. Not to engage in unequal yokes. To teach to the children in our classes, Sunday school classes, in our homes, the Bible mandate uh, not to be unequally yoked, not to marry an unbeliever, for it's not going to end well. I pray that we would, we would purpose in our hearts that we would do right and not wait until tragedy hits before we take action. Oh, praise you for what you do tonight. Speak to us from this text, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> so we're five and a half months into the return. Ezra uh, is burdened. Uh, he, he sees the sin problem. Uh, four days later, uh, in verse 3, the men of Judah and Benjamin uh, gathered to deal with the sin problem. Uh, two weeks after this initial meeting, uh, they're going to get together and they're going to hear each case, case by case. Uh, in verse 2, we have a man named Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Why? Because we're going we're to take care of business. Now, you look at this name and you think, well, this is a guy that is part of the problem. There are people on both sides of the issue. It's really not clear. He personally is not named in the group of people that were found to be in the wrong. But when he's praying, he's saying, we have sinned, which kind of leads you to believe that he's part of the problem. And so there are people, and you read about this, it's not a contradiction, uh, there are just people surmising on both sides of the issue. And And it really doesn't matter Except that, I'll just say, uh, Daniel, in his book, when he, in his prayer, he, when he was praying for the people, he said, Lord, we have sinned. Now, he wasn't speaking about 
himself personally in that matter, but he grouped himself together. So it is very possible here that this guy was not part of the problem. Because the problem people are named. Verses 18 to 44. The people who had sinned are named. Now, how would you like it if, if God named you and your sin publicly and put it in the Word for all to see as a warning to others not to do that? God does that. He did it with a man after his own heart, David. So we should strive uh, to live right. And first one, we have brokenness. And if you're going to have a right relationship with God, you need to have a right perspective when it comes to sin. And brokenness is the right response. Brokenness over the sins of the people. Brokenness to own it. Also, in, uh, in, uh, in Joshua, the children of Israel went into uh, Jericho. Uh, they weren't supposed to take anything, uh, but Achan did. And what did God say uh, about Achan's sin? God said, the, you, you have sinned, collectively, the people. So it is not, what, is, what we see in verse 2 with Shechaniah is not an unusual thing, uh, but it does, it does make you, your ears perk up a little bit and it does make you think. So it, let's say Shechaniah is part of the problem. Well, he's got a right response, and that's make things right. When you make things right as a Christian, there is hope. Let's say he's not part of the problem. Let's say he's standing up and saying, um, I want you to know, Ezra, I stand with you. Why is that important? Well, it's important uh, because he had some family members that are specifically named as part of the problem. And I don't know if you've ever tried to take a stand in your family before. For right. When everybody around you says, oh, goody two-shoes, uh, they pick, pick on you, make fun of you for having Bible standards. It doesn't matter how you package this. This is, this, this is impressive. If, if he is part of the problem, the fact that he's willing to stand up and take ownership of that and make it right, that's impressive. I mean, that always warms a preacher's heart when somebody says, yeah, preacher, I, I, I've done wrong. I want to make it right. Well, praise the Lord. There is hope. And Shechaniah is certainly saying that. But let's say he's not part of the problem and he's standing up against family. That takes a certain level of resolve that is just just impressive. And uh, that's, a, that's refreshing for the, people to, for the preacher and the people to see as well. Verse 3, Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. And that's important. He's thrown something out there saying uh, the, the offending women and children need to be eliminated. They need to be cast forth. They need to be put aside. This sin needs to be dealt with severely. And you think, man, that, that, that can't possibly be... What God would want, man, come back Sunday morning or in the next chapter of Esther. Now, you want to talk about a brutal chapter. It's that next chapter of Esther. Now, how does God deal with it? What, what, what is that a, uh, a precursor of or to point to? Uh, God wants us to be right. 
And God, God wants us to deal with sin again because what is at risk here? Salvation is at risk. Salvation is at risk. So in verse 3, we see a genuine willingness to repent. He wants to do the right thing in the right way, and he wants it to be, a, and this is important, he wants it to be according to the law. It has to be done right, according to God's word. Oh, that we would purpose in our hearts that we wanted to do the right thing in the right way, according to God's word. Again, it's very refreshing when somebody comes <laughs> to the preacher and says, Pastor, I, I don't know what the right thing to do, but I, I want to be right with God. Wow, that's exciting. As opposed to the person that says, Pastor, I don't care what the right thing to do is. I'm not going to do it. That, or, or somebody that says, uh, que sera, sera, what will be, will be. Let God, let God be God. Let him do what he's got to do. And I go, Whoa. That, that's not my prayer. I would take a little bit of mercy, a little bit of grace. Uh, So, uh, verse 4, Rise for this matter belongeth unto thee, and we will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. Uh, Again, here's a guy that says, uh, Ezra, I'm not sure what the right thing to do is. This seems like this might be the right thing to do. We need to do it according to the law, but this is in, in your jurisdiction and what it, what, whatever you decide that is in line with God's word, I'm behind you 100%. Again, that's just, that's just powerful. That's just really powerful. I'm, I am thankful to be in a church where we have solid leadership that says to the pastor, uh, uh, you do what you got to do according to God's word, we're behind you. That's exciting. Uh, that encourages me. And I'm sure that was an encouragement to Ezra as well, because man, it, it's a dangerous world in which we live, and and you need to be careful. So this week, uh, the Super Bowl is going to go on. I thought it was last week, uh, <coughs> uh, but it, uh, I hear it. I hear it's this week. And wh- where is it taking place? It's taking place in Sin City, Las Vegas. You want to talk about somebody that's dipped their standards for years? Uh, the NFL did not want anything to do with Las Vegas. Now they've moved a team there. And they didn't want it. They wouldn't want games to be played in Las Vegas. Now they got. Now they're playing the Super Bowl, right? Las Vegas. I understand. Las Vegas. And uh, uh, they ten years ago, five years ago, man, if you were gambling on sports, uh, you're you're in big trouble. Now it's let's everybody do it. And and it was just interesting uh, this week. I caught wind of a fella who is a commentator. I don't know anything about him. Uh, but apparently he's got he's got a big name when it comes to sports, and this is what he said: uh, "It's going to be bad." So here here's a here's a guy, he's he's pro professional sports. He is pro football, the new national pastime. No longer baseball; it's now football, and he's very pro. But he said this 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 it's not this not going to be well. He said we've got uh, we've got a perfect storm. He said. Uh, we've got uh, a, a, a huge group of people, I just say, that aren't going to be in church Sunday. That are going to Sin City, a place of open, in-your-face immorality, of gambling and drinking everything that is contrary to godly morals. That's what he said. I, it's going to be bad. He said, 
I don't know what it is. He said, I've not heard any rumors. I'm just telling you, you take all these people and you put them in that environment. He said, "There's, and it's not going to be what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. He said, it, it's going to be public. And, and people are going to lose their jobs. And there's probably some people that are going to end up going to jail. Because it, you just can't put yourself in that environment, that group of people, and not come out with a story. And it's going to be bad. But here we are as Christians. And Ezra chapter 10 says to us, Hey, Christian, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Use some common sense here. You can't put yourself... If the secular people say that, we should certainly get that. You can't put yourself in that set of circumstances and come out unscathed. And you can't. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, it's 2024. I don't know who's going to fall this year. I don't know who's going to wreck their family name this year. I, I don't know which man is going to walk out on his wife this year. But one thing I learned as a teenager from the book of Judges and the life of Samson. And you go to my Bible that I had when I was a teenager. I, and and th- those chapters are marked up in my Bible. And you'll find this quote. If you put yourself, if you continually put yourself in the position to sin, you will. You will. And as we're saying in chapter 10, you put yourself in the position to sin, you have, and, and now we've got to deal with it. Because you have put in danger the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's a powerful statement. But that is what is going on In chapter 10, I'm thankful the response of the people is, let's take care of business. Then arose Ezra, verse 5, and the chief priests and Levites and all Israel to swear that they would do according to this word. And they swear. Verse 6, then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Johanan, the son of Eliashib, And when he came thither, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression that had been carried away. Now, this guy is named because he's a problem. And he's not embracing the repentance. And and he's being called up. And Ezra's just taking the battle right to him and saying, listen, listen, buddy, you're a problem. And, And you need to make it right. That is never pleasant for the preacher to have to do that. Sometimes it is necessary. Sometimes it is. God put it here very publicly. Uh, He mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. And when they made proclamation, verse 7, throughout Judah and Jerusalem unto all the children of the captivity, that they should gather themselves together unto Jerusalem, and that whosoever would not come. They had three days. (laughs) Three days. Anybody... Okay, we're in a very tight region of the world. They're rebuilding the temple at Jerusalem. And from what I understand, where the people were, no one was more than 40 miles away from the destination. And they had three days to show up. you got three days to show up. We're going to deal with sin. You've got three days to show up. Uh, Everybody's going to show up. Uh, Why? Again, because Ezra has been, uh, he's been put in charge. He's got a great deal of authority from the Persian king. That is the ruler 
of this, this part of the world at this time. Uh, so verse 8, whosoever would not come within three days, according to the counsel of the princes and the elders, all his substance will be forfeited. Man, everything you have is gone. Honey, do you think I should show up? Hello, get yourself out of the house and get down there. <laughs> you better show up uh, because I don't want to lose all my stuff. <clears throat> and himself separated from the congregation of those that had been carried away. If you don't come down and take care of business, we're going to separate from you. And there is a call, again, in the New Testament, the correlations to the Corinthians are pretty powerful. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Uh, there's a need to do that. <clears throat> there is a need. <clears throat> so he required an oath that they would, that they would follow. He required an oath. Uh, that they would be obedient. And Ezra, in verse 6, he continues to fast and mourn. He's, he's calling out people uh, by name who are kind of... And, and there will always be people that drag their feet. Kind of hold back. Want to see which way the wind is blowing. I'm really serious about this. In parenting, I call it Hurricane parenting. Because over the years, I have met uh, several teenagers that have gotten themselves into trouble. And I've talked to them. And I said, oh, man, you're in trouble. I mean, you're in serious trouble. And those teenagers looked right back at me and they said, nah, preacher, I'm not in trouble. I said, no, no, you're, you're in trouble. This is a serious offense that you did. Your, your parents, uh, they're going to hang you from the clothesline <laughs> you know, by your toes. <laughs> you're, you're in trouble. And no. And this is what teenagers said. The pastor. My parents. They, they get mad initially. They blow up. But, but pastor, in three days, this will be over. They'll, they'll forget about it. We'll move on. I'm not going to get grounded. I'm not going to be in trouble. There's not going to be anything. There's not, there are no repercussions. Preacher, I'm fine. No, you're not fine. <laughs> Your parents are going to hang you up by your toes from the clothesline. <laughs> you need somebody who's going to deal with sin. But those teenagers knew that mom and dad weren't going to deal with sin. Uh, so I call them hurricane parents. Yeah, there's a big storm. It's coming in. It's going to hit. It's going to be hard. Uh, but it's going to blow out just as quickly as it came in. But there's devastation in its wake. It's terrible. Terrible. So we learn... From verse 2, Shechaniah, that it's not easy to stand up for right. Lesson number two, we learn from Shechaniah that if he was involved in sin, that it's not easy to stand against your family who are involved in sin. We also learn that it, it is the right thing to do in verse uh, 5, uh, to identify with God and the Word of God versus family pressure. Again, I am very blessed to be part of a family where I know that my, my dad, uh, my mom and dad, support me in being here. My dad does not call me up on the phone and say, Oh, son, things are bad. I wish you could be here. Why don't you just... Uh, uh, Come back here and take care of me. Uh, yeah. uh, 
my, my, dad, my dad has never done that. Hey, dad, how you doing? Like, we're, we're 95 years old. <laughs> I'm never sure what that means. A lot of times, uh, because he tries to shield me, uh, the family will know about things, and he won't tell me. I'll call him up and say, hey, Dad, how you doing? Oh, we're, we're fine. Now, I know Mom's in the hospital. Dad's been down at the hospital. He's been there all day. I call partic- uh, specifically at 10 o'clock at night uh, because I know that he'll be back from the hospital and home by then and want to see how Mom's doing. But I also know that, boy, I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> I also know that if he has told uh, one of my family members uh, that he was in the hospital and they call me uh, and I say, uh, so I hear mom's in the hospital, uh, then he's going to be mad at them for telling me because he didn't want me to know because he doesn't want me to be worried or be bothered or concerned because he wants me to be here serving the Lord. Uh, so uh, I called him up. Um, last time mom was in the hospital, which uh, just just a few uh, just a few weeks back, and dad said, "You know your mother's been in the hospital." And I just said, "You got to play dumb." And so I said, "Dad, how could I possibly know that unless you told me? Did you tell me?" And dad said, "I didn't tell you, but I know you know." I said, "How can you know I know if I'm not supposed to know?" And, you know, we had that kind of conversation. Uh, it's just well, welcome to my world. But again, I'm thankful that. My dad supports me. In being here, he says he knows that God has called us here. Uh, in September last year, we traveled down to uh, Tennessee for the ordin- Daniel's ordination, and the men were very gracious in allowing us to miss that Sunday to be there for that event. And I, I preached uh, the ordination service message uh, that uh, Sunday evening. Uh, from the Bible that they uh, presented to Daniel when they when they laid hands on him and ordained him to the gospel. And it was, a, it was a great privilege. But as part of that message, I said this. We were very glad that Daniel was in, where is he? Tennessee. We're very glad that he is at Bible Baptist Church. There is a temptation when he was trying to discern where he wanted to go, and even a little bit of pressure to bring him home, to bring him here. And I did not believe that that was going to be best for Lighthouse or best for Daniel. And we wanted, uh, we want, I wanted him to be out from under my umbrella and to be able uh, to grow on his own in his service for the Lord. And I stood before the church and I told them that. We are glad that Daniel is at Bible Baptist Church in Kingsport, Tennessee. We are thrilled that he is here serving the Lord. And we had opportunity to bring him the lighthouse. And I would not consider it because I did not believe it was the right thing to do. We support him here. We are glad that he is here. Uh, we, are, we thank you for taking care of our family. I, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that ability. I'm thankful for that support. And that support is, is necessary because there are people that will push the other way and put pressure on Ezra. Now, don't deal with sin. Don't deal with it now. Don't deal with it here. Just let us alone. Uh, but there's a group of people that are standing behind him. There is a p- group of people that are dragging their feet. Uh, and Ezra has a powerful, powerful uh, response, <clears throat> which brings us to uh, verse 9, and the unity of the assembly. Verse 9, then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together unto Jerusalem 
Within three days, hey, they showed up. They, they had a great motivation to do that. It was the ninth month on the 20th day of the month, and all the people sat in the street of the house of God, trembling. Why? <laughs> well, it's December. And it's cold. And it's raining. And so they're trembling for two reasons. Number one, they're afraid. And number two, they're cold. <laughs> they're cold and in the rain. And, but they showed up nonetheless. Why? Because they had a motivation. Ezra, verse 10, the priests stood up and said unto them, Ye have transgressed, taken wives, strange wives, to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land from the strange wine. Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so must we do, but. Do you know there's no but? When it comes to doing, doing the right thing. But here, is, here it is. There's a but. 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 But we need, we need a little bit of time. And so he's going to give that to them. Or in the rain. This is going to take a while. We should hear every case individually. And hear the merits of that. Why, why is that? <clears throat> because there are 36. It's interesting. There are 36 families that are named. But only ten were required to put away the wise. Why is that? It, it, it very possible as they as they heard each case individually. Uh, you married you you married a gal that is an unbeliever, but she trusted Christ. She's embraced uh, Judaism. She's embraced uh, she's embraced uh, uh, Jewishness. She has she's converted. She is she's a Ruth, right? She's a Rahab. And when they did the investigation, there were only 10 that were offending out of the 36 that were accused. It's important to hear a matter. So that's an interesting number. I say 10 out of 36 because out of the priests, the Levites that were mentioned, it's three out of four. Now, how sad is that? The people that are supposed to be the leaders and set the example are the worst offenders. It's just sad. And there is a need for the pastor, for people, for Sunday school teachers, for choir leaders, for deacons, for uh, moms and dads who name Lighthouse Baptist Church to be faithful in what they do. Faithful. Faithful. Again, you go to verse 16. By their, um, let's read. And the, and the children of the captivity did so, and Ezra the priest was certain chiefs of the fathers after the house of their fathers. And all of them, by their names, were separated and sat down in the first day of the tenth month to examine the matter. And they did, verse 17, and they made an end with all the men that had taken strange wives by the first day of the first month. And, of the monk, and, and then they just, 18... And following, they, they just list them. They just list them out. Name after name. Offense after offense. Offender after offender. Sad commentary on Christianity is many times the preacher, pastor, priests, the Levites, are the worst offenders. 
there is a need for, for me, for us, to be right. Uh, several years ago, uh, a pastor retired, <clears throat> a new pastor came in. The old pastor became a busybody. Uh, it's, a, it's a great temptation. You've pastored a place for a long time and you want to stay there because you know the people, you love the ministry, you watch them, you've grown up with them. What a natural thing to do. And it, it can work and it has worked, but man, a lot of times it doesn't work. The old guy becomes a, the, the, I say the old guy, maybe he's not old. The previous pastor, the pastor emeritus, becomes a bitty body and starts sticking his nose in affairs that are no longer his because there's a new pastor in town. And the church splits and splits and splits and splits and over and over and over again. I had a man reach out to me on, on a particular uh, thing that I'm, uh, scenario that I purposely being vague on. Uh, he called me up and he said, uh, Brother Bishop, I don't know if you heard about what's going on over there. Now, he was a, a, a missionary on Mission Field. And I said, I called my name and I just said, stop. Stop. And he stopped. And I said, before you say anything else, I want you to know that I stand with God's word. And in this situation, the pastor is right. So before you say another word about which side you're on, I want you to know that I stand on the side of right. And if you're taking another position, this is not going to bode well for our friendship. And he said, I, I knew he was on the other side. He just said, uh, well, I'll keep my thoughts to myself. I said, that probably would be wise. That's not a difficult. And he and I are, are still friends to this day. But it's, but it's difficult when it's family. And you get your you get yourself emotionally involved in it, and you say I, I'm going to side with family, even though even though family's wrong, as opposed to standing with the principle of God's word and saying I, I'm going to I'm going to stand with right, and, and this is this is it right here. Ezra said I'm going to stand with right. Shechaniah said I have some wrong, we have wrong, but we want to stand with right. And it is, that, it is that mandate that each one of us has to do. With whom do you side? You should side with God. Now, that does not mean that the pastor is always right. Because in this case, you would have said there were two pastors. One is right and one is wrong. And uh, the new pastor was within his authority. And the old pastor was sticking his nose where it didn't belong. And it got whacked. They ended up churching the pastor emeritus. Now, can you imagine Getting voted out of the membership of the church that you pastored for, I don't know, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. How shameful. How shameful to end on that note. It shouldn't have to be that way. We should stand with right. How, how could that have been averted? It could have been averted if it would have been said, I am wrong. I have sinned. I want to make this right. What is that? It's called humility. It's called repentance. And sadly, it's in short supply in Christianity today. And even more sadly, as is evidenced by the fact that three out of the four Levites' families were affected, it is in short supply behind 
the pulpits of America. But it should not be that way. So I stand with Ezra tonight calling for us to choose to follow the book, to follow God, to follow God's word. Father, I thank you for your, uh, your word. I thank you uh, for the privilege of serving you. And I pray uh, that Lighthouse would be a place uh, where the pastor does the right thing for the right reason. And the people will follow you. Not follow a man, they'll follow you, follow your word. And that be according to your word. And we'll praise you for the unity uh, that, we, that we enjoy and the fellowship that we have. Church ought to be a little taste of heaven. Uh, this side of glory, and it should not be a battle zone, uh, but it's only going to take place as we, as we purpose in our hearts to put you first and help us to do that. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen.